But if, if you were put on a line, we're talking about guard the evidence, and we're talking about last week was eyewitness, and man, if you missed it, go back and watch it, and if you watch it, watch it again. I watch it like three times because I don't know half the stuff I say. So I'm like taking notes on my own self because it's, God just does some crazy stuff. We're talking about being an eyewitness, but then we, we were, got into it a little bit is if, if there was a lineup and you were put against the wall, could somebody worldly, it doesn't matter, people that don't go to church, could they point you out and say that is a true follower of Jesus Christ right there? If they put you on a lineup and all kinds of random people, whether they serve God or not, whether a different religion or whatever, could they look right at that lineup and just look through the glass and say, that one right there is a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. They fully love Jesus Christ. They don't wa- waver in anything. There's no blurry lines. They have a standard. They, that, that's that one right there. And if you can't answer correctly like that's truly me, then this is where the growth process happens. Don't play dumb. That, that's the reality. We can't because we try to, we're like, well, just, well, because with knowledge comes responsibility, and that responsibility sometimes is heavy. And he wants you to live it out, but not just you, because it doesn't stop just at you. It pays it forward. That's why the gospel has spread so far. That's why when the upper room experience happened and they went outside of that room and they told about the wonders of, of the scrolls, but then turned it back to who Jesus Christ was, that's when the church started and we're sitting right here in this moment right now from that. Because it just catches fire. It's contagious. So if you line yourself up, could somebody point you out and say, that's the one. That is a full devoted Christian. Let's just be real about something. And I, I, I come to find this very true. More non-Christian people will keep you accountable than Christian people. Oh, I thought you was a Christian. Why are you drinking that? Why are you talking like that? What? I thought you went, aren't you the one that went to? More people that do not fully devote themselves to Christ will keep you accountable than any, uh, anybody else. And then sometimes it's irritating. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this, oh, yeah, you Christian boy right there, yeah. They start agging and, and poking. Then they really get to see who you are because if they poke the bear too hard, the bear might come back out. Ah! Just leave me alone. Mind your own business. And we get frustrated. And then guess what happens? When we're alone in our private time, we know they're right because we have to think about it. And we're like, that's why when somebody tries to hold you accountable, I think accountability is needed in all of our lives. Because if you know, people don't like that at all, they don't like accountability. Because if we don't have accountability, what do we do? We, we're accountable with God, but I think God is tr- trying to, to s- let you surround yourself with people that are going to help keep you accountable. It ain't like overbearing, but it's just somebody that's going to help you with the walk. You got to pick the friends you really have. We're talking about guarding the evidence, and we're talking about eyewitness. you got to really pick those friends because some people won't hold you accountable. They'll just bat an eye. They'll turn, turn a blind eye. You don't need friends that turn a blind eye to you. And you shouldn't be a friend that turns a blind eye to somebody else. You should love them enough to tell them. And if they're butt hurt and tore up about it and they go off, then you really need to check your friend status. Because if they leave you and all that, it was shallow anyway. 
And guess what? God provides more. See, we deal with that with teenagers sometimes where they're just like, I just got to be the, you know, they're, they're, they're the one. And, just, and then when they don't have a good friendship, it's like everything falls apart. I don't know if I can live. I don't know. What, am I this and am I that? Then as you get older and you're, and you're bouncing around in relationships, then we want a missionary date. Well, I'll just date them and get them saved and they'll. <laughs> but live a double standard life. And not live the true life of, of, of a devoted follower that if they put you on the lineup, they say, yeah, that's him. No, that ain't him on the weekends, though. He's crazy. That ain't her over there. She wild. She don't, that's not her on Instagram, for real. She got everything hanging out. <laughs> Trying all those challenges, shaking their booty. That, that's not them. That might be them on Sunday, but on Friday night, it's somebody else. You see what I'm saying? We have to have a standard across our whole life. We have to guard the evidence. That's why we put all the caution tape just to make a point. Being in the mountains and digging into the valley of the mission. We have to guard the evidence. And we become eyewitnesses to what God is doing. And our non-Christian friends become eyewitnesses to who we are to say we're a Christian. And so they can point it out and say, yeah, or no. And so I think it's vital in our walk that we have to. We have to have a standard in our life. And I think what happens is, is people at times just act like they don't want to because they're just like an excuse. It's just too much work. I don't want to do that. Like when you have a standard, it shows a lot about your character. You know what I mean? And, and if we just take it lightly, like I'm just, when you get to a place, and, and this comes from a broken place. Like lo, knowing that Jesus Christ, we were, Pastor Josh and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago. That there was a time where, when we were both youth pastors in different places, that when we didn't have that job, we didn't know who we were. Because our identity was wrapped up in our position instead of in Christ. So we could be doing the great things, but not even have an identity just in Christ. So when we lost the position, we lost our identity. Because we thought it was wrapped up in the position, which it should have just been wrapped up and anchored by Jesus Christ alone. With or without the position, I'm still good. But we do that with friendships. We do that in dating. We do that with work. If we don't have it, I'm all mess. Within who, where's your identity found? Right now, if you have a friend, uh, uh, you're dating somebody, and they left, what's your identity? Would you just lose it all? Right now? What's your identity wrapped up in? With or without, I'm still good because I have to guard the evidence. And it is anchored. When something's anchored, it's anchored deep. The boat might shake a little bit, but it's anchored. And we had to figure out in our own selves that my identity is not wrapped in anything else I do, but it's only wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Whether jobs come or go, friendships come or go, my identity is wrapped up in Christ. I have to be anchored and solely just focused on him. So we guard the evidence. We guard it well. And, and, and it's work. Guarding the evidence is work. You know how quick you are on the edge of flesh? Just think of one thing that drives you crazy. You're right on the edge. <laughs> You're right on the edge of losing it. Son of a... Jesus. Yeah. But, but we have to get that thing in order because we can't let that override our spirit. Die to the flesh, live by the spirit. Die to it. But man, our flesh has that sweet tooth for whatever the world wants us to have. And so it's, it's vital to guard the evidence. It's vital that, that 
even in an eyewitness that somebody is taking account of you when you're not even in this room or even if you are when you're out and about when you're at work the workflow the work life is this this hitting home because this is real deal because I'm just going to tell you this it's just me personally and I've tried my best if you've known me personally I try to be the same if I'm on it the internet, if I'm here at this church, if you catch me at Walmart or somewhere else, you catch me playing basketball, you catch me doing something else outside of this place, I'm trying to be consistently who I am. I don't try to, I don't try to live for approval for somebody else. I don't try to do something and act a different way when I'm around somebody else. I'm, I'm who God created me to be. Now, I'm not perfect. Don't get, I'm very flawed, right? What's that smile, girl? Yeah. You're going to pray. We have our ups and downs, don't we? But the thing is, is trying to be consistent in all areas of life. So that you say, you know what? I am really trying to be a, a, a devoted follower of Christ. I want to, when you point me out, you can point me out and say, look, he loves Jesus. He loves people. He, he's not ashamed. He'll say it. He'll speak the truth and shame the devil all day long. I don't want to bow to that. Now, do we have our issues? Absolutely. We all have things that we struggle with. And what we have to do is realize and, and open ourselves up to that and say, you know what, God, here am I. I know you've created me to worship you, and I need help with this. And then you surround yourself with people also to help you account, hey, man, just keep me in prayer with this. And you're like, yeah, how's this going? And sometimes you don't want to hear it in a moment because it just usually catches you in the heated moment. You know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, how's it? Well, wait, what are you talking about? How's it going? <laughs> I uh, just love you. <laughs> So what we're going to get into with this, I hope that what I just said, you know, let that sink in. Because this all applies to what we're doing. We have to guard the evidence. As we get into the mission of we're in the valley, there's a mission, we're moving forward, we have to guard it well. Guard it in our homes, guard it publicly, guard it what God is doing. We're an eyewitness to what he's doing. So all of us, what God is doing, we should be talking about that. We should be mentioning about who God is. In a day, we shouldn't go a week without not talking about who God is. We shouldn't even go a day without even mentioning or even getting in his word or even having some kind of connection. Even church, not just, not, the church is like a lighthouse for a city. People look to it. And we can only keep pointing people to Jesus. But talk about it. Talk about what God's doing at Remnant Church. Invite people to church. we got to be an eyewitness to what he's doing. So what we're going to get into real quick is witness protection. I hope you're ready. Let's go. So I love that you talked about the identity because the story that we're going to talk about is starting in Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And it's about three Hebrew boys that end up getting taken and their name ends up getting changed because of some things that are going on in the world. And so we're going to go from there into Daniel 3. And one of the things that God just said to me while you were sitting there is he said, your identity comes from whom you identify with. Your identity comes from whom you identify with. And so I want to start in chapter 1. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord 
gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the, his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar and to the house of God and placed the vessels in the treasury of God. Then the king commanded Aspenaz, the chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, um, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed in knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. And the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. And they were there to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah and the, of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Michelle he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. And something that God pointed out to me at this very moment before we even get into the story next is that I looked up the names of Hananiah, Michelle, Azariah. And Hananiah's name meant Yahweh is gracious. But when it was changed to Shadrach, it meant command of Aku, which was the moon god. Michelle's name was who is like God, but Meshach was who is what Aku is. Azariah meant Yah has helped or Yahweh has helped, but Abednego means servant of Nebo, the god of wisdom. See, what's crazy is they were given Babylonian names. Well, Babylonian names come from the very beginning when the Tower of Babel was created, and that caused confusion. And isn't it just like the enemy that he wants to change your identity so that he can confuse who you are in this world? Isn't it just like the enemy that he comes into your life so that he can bring confusion to your witness in order to cause you to live out another name from what you were actually meant to be? And what God told me is he said, what's crazy about these boys is that they stood true to their label, not of what their name was changed to, but they stood true to their label. And he said, a true witness will stand true to their label. What do you identify with? Who's your identity come from? See, the Jewish boys knew whose they were and where they came from. It didn't matter what the world tried to call them. It didn't matter what tried to be put upon them. Their identity didn't change because the world tried to change their name and cause confusion. They didn't live in a world of confusion. They didn't live in the moment. Have you ever been through a situation that's tried to change who you were and the name and the identity of who you were and the storm kept raging and things kept going and all of a sudden depression and anxiety? See, that's the name change that begins to come over you. Instead of joy, instead of hope, instead of peace, instead of presence, what happens is things begin to come over you and then your identity begins to change. But when will you begin to stop allowing the world to change your name and bowing? I want to go to chapter 3. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth was 6 cubits. And he set it up on a plain in Dura. In the province of Babylon, and the king of Nebuchadnezzar sent together the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, and the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, and the counselors, and the magistrates, and all the people, pretty much, from all the provinces, came for the dedication of the image, okay? And as you go down, what happens is these Hebrew boys, as they're standing true to their witness and their label of who they are, which is God's children, not another God who has no idea of anything, who's not even real, they stand true to their label. And what happens is it says, a herald proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whosoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Say that three times real fast. Burning, fiery furnace. Yeah, see, you can't. You can't say it real fast. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, all the kinds of music, the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image. But then what begins to happen as you go on, it says that they declared to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears all the music, pretty much, is to fall down and worship the image. And whoever does not fall down and worship the image, image shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And what happens is all of a sudden somebody, see, isn't it funny that when you're standing true to your label, there's always somebody going to snitch you out, trying to point you out. They're not bowing. They're not bowing. It, I promise you'll notice the more that you begin to do right for God, the more that you will have haters on your back that will point out every little thing that you are doing. And they want to watch to try to trip you up, even if you're doing what's right. That one's not on. They turned you off. That one's Renita's mic. Lord. <laughs> turning me off. Here's what's crazy is you get haters that will continue to follow you on social media just because of today's society yeah. that don't like you at all, but they just want to follow and watch what you do. And they might throw something out there just to trip you up. You got to be careful. There's always that one person, that one person that will always try to challenge you. And it's either going to make you better or bitter, honestly. Well, a herald was like the town crier. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like their, and, and their job was to go around and point out what everybody was doing and yeah. to keep it off of their focus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I can't hey, say I'm that here. on camera. But, yep. <laughs> it's the truth. And it's anybody. Anybody's. Yeah. And the, and the truth of it is all of a sudden it says there are certain Jews you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods and worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king and he answered and said to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image I have set up? Now if you are ready, now if you're ready now, if you're ready now, we're going to do it one more time. If you're ready now. Cue the band. <laughs> cue the music. Now, if you are ready, when you hear the music, fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. 
But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning fiery furnace. And and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And here's their reply. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Wait a minute. Hold up. Listen. We have no need to answer you in this matter. How many times do we argue with these with people and situations when you have you don't need to? Let it stand for what it is. Let Christ stand in you for what it is. You ain't got to argue your point. You ain't got to argue why. You see what I'm saying? We have no need to argue to answer you in this matter. But what's funny is he could have just had the guards kill him, kill them. But he wanted to make a show. Isn't it funny how people want to make a show of you? You didn't have to have a fiery furnace. He had the strongest guards right in front of him. All he had to do was say, kill him. No, the king wanted to make a show because people want to make a show of you. So you have to be careful who you've got you around and who's saying what to you. Because they just want to make a show of you. Just like the king did. So they say, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And it says, then he was filled. Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it is usually heated. Seven times more. And he ordered some men of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats. I don't know. That's funny to me. I don't know why that. I mean, we had to throw the hat in there too. I mean, you know, you got to have your hat on when you throw it into the fire. I don't know. Those just got me right there. But then these men were bound in all of their wear and their other garments. And they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the burning fiery furnace. So you know it's hot when the person who gets next to it is already disintegrated. But you know what that goes to show me? This is before we even hear the rest of the story. We should have known from the beginning what God's already done when he defeated your enemy, when you weren't defeated, when you were right next to the problem. Isn't that funny that just like the, the, the men were already disintegrated, it could have already happened. Done. We should already know. That's why I love that song about I see the evidence of your goodness because if you look back over your life and the things that God's done and the enemies he's destroyed, you already know that you're going to come out of this trial. You win. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. And he answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came to the door of the burning fiery furnace. And he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps and all the people pretty much gathered together and saw the fire had not had any power over the bodies of the men. The hair on the heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not 
harmed, and no smell of fire had come on them. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, and language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their house is laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way than the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. That's witness protection right there. It's powerful. And this story hit me so hard, and what it was... And what it was about the boys that got me the most was it was their worship. It was their position in worship. Because your worship protects your witness. Your worship protects your witness. And what's crazy is how often when you face a trial can others smell your worship over your problem. When you face a problem, how often can others smell your worship over your problem? What's interesting is, you know, when I look back at it, they say that they were probably 15 years old. And they trained for three years. And when I studied it way back, they said they was probably about 18 years old when they got in front of the fire. And we have a generation right now that are taking names of all these other things in the world, whether it's on Instagram or whether it's on, they, they've got names of identities that's not of God in this out, well, we have adults too. It's, it's across the board now because you can go anywhere at any time and push a button and that can be your identity or this can be your identity. And nobody else knows that you have that identity. You, you have multiple personalities. So whatever you want to be for that day is what you're wanting to be for that day. If you're angry for that day, that's your name for that day. And I think that God is trying to say that even though we get up in a place right in front of a fire, you know, you said we win. And I, 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 I gave a scripture to uh, the hospitality and God said the word stand firm is the well, in the hour we're in. And when you stand firm in your confidence of the gospel... It shows the enemy that he loses. Not only do we win, but it shows the enemy that he loses. King Nebuchadnezzar said, oh, my Lord, come out. Isn't it funny how God called Lazarus out? And here's a king that's over Babylon. And he's calling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed. And he called them by a Babylonian name. But he said, your God. It's so good. It's so good. And what I thought about when you're talking about the world and pushing at a button, isn't it funny that we allow the world to filter us more than the Holy Spirit? That's right. That's right. We allow the world to filter us more than the Holy Spirit. We allow it to put filters and different things on us and show who we are to the world. But the Holy Spirit can't have his way because we're too busy bowing to the fake things of this world. And the problem of it is, is we spend so much time. Let me tell you something. If you spend more time on your phone, you spend more time on Facebook, you spend more time doing things, scrolling, and whatever you spend more time with is what you worship. It's what you worship. 
You spend more time with God, that's who you worship. You spend more time with the world, that's who you worship. And guess what? The worst part about it is if you spend more time scrolling or doing things for yourself, then you've created yourself as your own image. And I think we have too many self-made idols instead of God-made images. Too many self-made idols instead of God-made images and what he desires. I was sitting here thinking about, I'm messed up. I was sitting here thinking about, uh, yeah, what was I thinking about? No, seriously, I'm, God's so good. Just tell him he's good just for a second because I need a moment just to, whoo, he's so good. I'm happy. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Yeah, Jesus, I'm hijacked. I'm just telling you. I was sitting here thinking about, Serious, man. I don't know if I'm going to even able to speak. I can't. So <laughs> you and I were on the same page when it came to the names because I wrote everything down you did. I showed Brandon. I'm like, man, that hijacks me. Because we've been dealing with identity in the youth. And the thing is, is that your identity is valuable. The problem is, is we bow to too many other things that try to identify us instead of bowing to the one that created us. Um, and I was thinking about when Nebuchadnezzar created this image and he said, when the music plays, bow. Uh, I just wrote this down, no joke. When the music played, they wouldn't bow. It wasn't just about the image, it was even about the wrong music that was being played. What music are you listening to that causes you to bow to a false god? Think about this. We, we talk about music all the time. And it's at the push of a button in your car or on your phone. And it's easy to get swayed into something and to push the wrong button and to begin to listen to things that cause your spirit to bow to a false god. And then your spirit becomes tainted. Right? And so then instead of, instead of bowing to God during the day, we're bowing to other things during the day. And, and our posture becomes positioned towards the, the wrong direction instead of towards the right direction. And so I, I was just thinking about this. The reason they had the ability to stand when the music played is because they hadn't bowed to the wrong things. Too many of us, when corona hit or all this other craziness began to hit, we began to bow to it because we were already bowing to false gods. Is that tough? We were already bowing. The furnace got turned up, and we were already bowing so that we didn't have to go in it. Bub, think about what people will say. When something happens, they're like, I'm going to bow out. Yeah. I'm going to bow out. I'm out. I'm, bow I'm bowing out. out of it. Yeah. And yeah. that's the problem is we spend too much time bowing out when the furnace gets hotter, when the trial gets deeper, when yeah. things get more, uh, the struggle gets more real. Yeah. We'd rather bow out than push through with God and see what happens and become tried and refined by the fire instead of what it is. That's that filter. Filters purify. They refine things. Yeah. They, that's the Holy Spirit, you know, just like gold has to be tried and purified and, and in the fire. And that's the same thing. We yeah. bow out. We do. We bow out. So let me ask you a tough question. How many of you in a secular song, meaning not a Christian song or worship song, comes on, how many begin to dance? Don't lie. Get your hand up. My question is, is who are you dancing with? 
Who are you dancing with? Are you dancing with a false god? There's, a there's some terminology that I want to share with you really quick, and I'm not going to get super deep into it, but it's called perichoresis. It's called the circle dance. And it, it's, it's the circle dance between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So who are you dancing with? Because if you're listening to this crap that the world is trying to offer, then you're not in perichoresis. You're in a different circle, and it's not the circle of God. God never called you just to dance with Jesus. He called you to dance with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It is all about his image, and it's all about you finding your identity in him. He becomes the embodiment of who we are when we dance in the perichoresis of who Christ with is. the community. It's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the reason there's such a heart for a community because you're in community yes. with not just Jesus only, yeah. but you're in community with all three. Yes. And I, I kind of want to just hit this real quick, and I, I'm going to tell on you, Brandon, real quick, because I can't. But I, I remember when he had his black Camaro you could hear him coming down the street with his big booming thing in the back trunk, glass shattering everywhere. You could uh, junk in my truck. The, <laughs> and the windows of my house would vibrate when he would pull up. Well, he was asleep one day, and I'm going to say this because we can't be the Holy Ghost. Uh, people have to, people have to stand in their own stand. I can't make anybody stand. And so. He's asleep, and I said, oh, my goodness, Pop already took the car. I'm going to have to, I'm just going to go in there and go grab Brandon's keys. I go in there. I grab his keys. I go into his car. The thing blares. My hair sent. It's already standing up. Be careful what you say. <laughs> standing straight up, and language that's coming out of this car ticked me off. I said, how dare him have this car and think that he, that's not a blessing when he has us all in here screaming and carrying on. I take that CD out of there and I'm getting ready to shatter it. I'm getting ready to shatter the sound. I'm getting ready to shatter the music. And the Holy Spirit said, don't you dare do that. Because if you do it, you're trying to cause a deliverance that you want and not the deliverance that I want. I had to stick that back in. As a mom, you get ticked off. I had to stick that back in there, and I put my hands on his steering wheel, and I started praying, and I said, God, I pray that you will convict him of the sounds that he's listening to. I go in. I don't say anything. I get, put the keys back where they are. He leaves. He's gone till late that night. He comes in, and he goes, you've been praying in my car. I said, why are you asking? Well, there might have been two pounds of oil on my there steering wheel. There was oil. Something dripping. I can't even shift. On the, <laughs> on the tires, on the... I'm not playing around. You know what? We better be mamas of prayer. He comes in and he goes, you've been praying in my car. I said, why are you asking? Well, the oil. But he said, something happened to me. I, I started driving down in the country roads. I got so sick to my stomach listening to that music that I pulled over, rolled down my window, and when I started driving, I started breaking them CDs and throwing them out the window. That's the power of prayer. That's 
somebody like Daniel tra training Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so they can learn how to stand. You might need to be mentored to learn how to stand, but I can't be your stand. Well, I was going to start talking about how the people we have in our life can either help us or hurt us. I wrote this down when you were reading that burning, fiery furnace. And I started thinking about the youth today, BFF, my best friend forever. So I got two things. You either have a best friend forever or you got a burning, fiery furnace standing next to you. What do you choose? <laughs> You, you can either have a best friend forever that's got godly vision and godly wisdom and is going to push you to become better and push you to run. It's like I've, I've said this for years in relationships. If, if, if you're single and you're looking for the one, right, we always say the one. It, Jesus is the one, so find him first and he'll fix everything else. But if you're looking for the one that you're supposed to be married to, then you need to look over, if you're running fast after God, you need to look over and see who's keeping up with you. Because if they're still way back there, they're not your BFF. They're a burning, fiery furnace that you're going to get attached to, and it's going to begin to burn your life, and you're going to begin to bow to the wrong things. So you gotta, you got to be the one that creates a relationship with God first that becomes a furnace of his fire rather than a false fire. Jesus, are you all listening to me? But it's about the worship. Yeah, it is. Back when you said about the uh, music and the wrong music being played and the things going on, this has been something that is, um, it's always been on my heart. And if you look at the reality, let's give you just a little bit of history, biblically. Lucifer, who was Satan, when he was created... He was the most beautiful angel ever. And he was created to lead worship in heaven. He was created with all kinds of instruments built in in him. Everything that you could ever think of, he had. And he had the ability to probably, and that's what's so funny, if you were to see, yeah, sin does distort, but I bet he had the most beautiful voice that you could ever hear. And he was created to bring sound out in heaven that would cause the angels to bow down and cry out, holy, holy, holy. But the problem of it was is that he wanted so badly to be the one that was worshipped instead of just doing what he knew he needed to do and worship God. And when he tried to say that he was going to take that position of God, God wasn't going to have it because there are no other gods above God. And then it became false worship. And so he was kicked out, kicked out of heaven. Literally thrown down like lightning to the earth. And we wonder why we have a problem so much in our world with people worshiping the one true God. And we wonder why music and the music industry is probably one of the fastest growing industries in the world. Because Satan has authority right now over the earth. It says, I have given you authority over man in the earth and he is the prince of the air. And that's where sound waves begin to move through. 
And you wonder why you have a problem when you want a certain image of that person you're going to marry. Or we struggle in marriages or we struggle in friendships and we struggle in things because music puts all these pictures out there for you of how things are supposed to, supposed to be. And we pick it up with that because, you know, marriage is supposed to be all feel goods all the time. And everything's supposed to be like that. Friendships, you know, you're, we're, we're going to be together forever. And you're, you know what I'm saying? Nothing's ever wrong and things happen. And what happens is when the enemy gets you, when he hooks you. Isn't it funny that all songs have a hook? If a song doesn't have a good hook, most of the time you won't sing it. But if it has a good hook, if it gets you by the lip and can get you singing to what he wants you to sing and get you worshiping to what he wants you to worship, all of a sudden you lose all sense of identity of who you are in God and you begin to bow whether you like it or not. Because guess what? When that hook is in your mouth, all the enemy is doing is reeling you in so that you can bow down to the form of what he's created. And you wonder why. Look at some of these things that are put out there. Listen to the lyrics. I don't care if you say it's got a good beat. You're going to find yourself singing those lyrics. And the thing about it is, is what I love about these boys is that even in their youth, they had the ability to know and be sensitive. They were not desensitized. They were sensitive to the presence of God in their life and what true worship was. And they chose not to bow. And see, the reason that God, they had witness protection over their lives is because they guarded who God was in them firsthand. When you guard the evidence of who God is, is in you, he protects the witness and who you are and the things around you. What's interesting is they left a royal home to go to the royal king. So they left around 15 years old, left their house. In royalty, and the only reason he wanted royalty is because he lived in royalty. So he wanted to make sure that they were trained right because he didn't want any peasants in the, in the royal house. So that witness protection from their home to a palace to a fire. Some of you have been out of your home. Um, out of your mind. And you feel like you're not protected. You go, you go from one thing, I don't care if it's in the middle of the night, and you have some things going on that you're bowing to, and you feel like you're not protected. When God's trying to protect you, it's just like he said, just a second away, and all of a sudden you're thinking of something else. You have to bring all your thoughts into captivity. This thing right here is the best map you can ever have. You want witness protection? Right here it is. You want to renew your mind? Right here it is. You want to go from your house to the palace to the fire? They went from their house, left their house with their parents and their family. You ever felt abandoned? And But then you didn't feel like you're protected because nobody, you felt like nobody was there for you. And all of a sudden, even in your childhood, you felt that. But when you become adult, you still have that thing that you've been bowing to because you haven't surrendered from it. So now you're an adult, you're doing the same thing as you was a ch as a child because you've not surrendered that. No. You still bow to that. Ooh, because God cannot protect what you don't trust him to have. 
God can't protect what you don't trust him to have. If you don't trust him to have that abandonment, if you don't trust him to have the things that you're going through, what happens is he cannot protect it because you're not in the perfect will of the Father. What happens is when you begin to bow to things of the world, it takes you out of the perfect will of the Father, out of that protection. That doesn't mean God doesn't want to take care of you and that he doesn't want to love you, but the problem of it is is when you don't serve God, how do you expect to get the blessings of the king? It doesn't work that way. And what's even more crazy is you're like, well, they did serve him and they did witness and they did love him. Well, I'm just telling you what, no matter how much you worship God and do it, doesn't mean that you're not going to face trial or trouble. They still went in the fire. But the point of the moral and the story is that when you truly worship God, whether he delivers you from the fire or not, he has already delivered your soul. Period. And that's what matters. Above anything else, your worship will always keep the nearness of God. Yeah. I just had a thought. Compromise will always convolute what true worship is. Compromise will always convolute what true worship is. And so here are these boys. And I got a scripture I want to give you here in just a second. But all week... I just kept hearing the Holy Spirit say this to me, that we have to come out of a place of just confessing to demonstration. And that's exactly what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They got put in a place where they had to demonstrate what they believed. They had to demonstrate what they worshipped. Put that up there for me, if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom using clever rhetoric, but they were delivered in demonstration of the Holy Spirit operating through me and of his power stirring the minds of the listeners and persuading them. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom and rhetoric of men, but on the power of God. Paul begins to talk about, listen, I didn't come here to persuade you with my words. Paul could speak, man. Paul understood the scrolls. Paul understood. See, you understand these scrolls, but Paul understood the scrolls. And so, and so Paul understood how to share the gospel, especially when he had that revelation of who Christ was on the road to Damascus. All of a sudden, the scrolls came to life to him because the scroll showed up himself. The word. The word became flesh, right? And so all of a sudden, Paul says, listen, I didn't come here just to share what's in me. I came here to demonstrate who he is. What God is looking for in this time and hour and that he has trusted us with is that we would go from a place of just talking about it to demonstrating it. I'm not just going to talk about my stance. I'm going to demonstrate my stance. When all hell is breaking loose and everybody's running around worried and throwing their hands up and wanting to give up because, listen, I'll just be real to you. I am sick and tired of looking on Facebook of I give up and I give up and I give up. Who are you bowing to, man? What are you listening to? You're listening to the wrong voice. You're listening to the wrong music. You're not in the perichoresis because when I stay in perichoresis and in worship with him, I don't have time to give up on nothing, man. I just want to keep going and keep going and keep going because the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives within me and he quickens my mortal body. What are you being quickened by? Man, I'm telling you right now, 
I didn't come here to give you this powerful word. I came here to demonstrate that the spirit that lives within me causes me to stand even when nobody else wants to. It causes me to say, go ahead, throw me into the fire because even if he doesn't deliver me, I'm going to be delivered anyway. If I got to go to heaven, I got to go to heaven. If he wants to pull me out of the fire, he'll pull me out of the fire. And the reason they were able to stand is because they already walked in the fire. They were able to stand because the Bible tells me that my God is an all-consuming fire. So when I dance in when I dance in the perichoresis, I'm already in the all-consuming fire. So no worldly fire has the ability to shut me down or burn me up. And it proves it because the perichoresis happened when Moses was walking up on the mountain and he looked over and there was a burning bush and the bush wasn't consumed. It wasn't consumed because it was the glory. My, 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 my. When they got in that fire, that worldly fire, they were already consumed by a glory called the perichoresis fire. Listen to this. Hebrews 12, 28 through 29 in the message. Do you see what you've got? It's an unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship. Deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house. Torching all. Hey God. Torching all that needs to burn. And he won't quit until it's all clean. God himself is fire. It's an unshakable kingdom. We won't bow. And you know what's interesting? Is in the midst of that fire is the treasure. His name is Jesus Christ. That's, In the midst of the whole fire is the treasure of God. It's crazy, Mom, is that burning what needs to be burnt. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was bound through into the burning furnace. And the only thing that burned were what bound them. Nothing else. The only thing burned was what bound them. And that's how good he is. Like, they didn't even have to worry about, I mean, think about witness protection, for real witness protection. They are protected. They are in good hands protected because they are a witness to something. And they're trying, those people are trying their best to protect. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not have to worry or wonder, if I, did, if I don't bow, will God protect me? It wasn't even a thought. My favorite, almost favorite line in the one of the scriptures in the Bible is when they said, even if he does not deliver us, we will not bow. Like it's that deep. Like if he doesn't deliver me, he's got a, he's got a reason why he's going to do what he's going to do. But if he doesn't do it, I'm still not bowing down. But they were so protected. Realize this, you're in good hands. You are protected by the king of kings. And whatever has bound you and you feel like you've got put in a fire, just know this. What has bound you gets burnt off. And they stepped up out of the fire. They didn't even smell like smoke. Anybody been around the fire? You smell like smoke, especially girls, man. Ladies are always like, my hair smells like smoke, man. I gotta go. It's so consuming, a fire is, with all the smoke. I remember kicking off a, a, a new year, and I kicked it off calling, calling that whole deal, even if. 
Anybody was here for that New Year's Eve, one of those services? So God told me to go outside. God's crazy. So before service, I went outside, and y'all were coming in and getting ready, and everybody was getting stuff ready for the New Year's Eve party. I'm out there burning boxes, freezing cold. It was like it was this morning, so cold. And I'm out there shivering and trying to get warm, burning boxes. And I'm like, what the heck? This is stupid. Why am I even out here? And the smoke was horrendous. You know, you burn boxes, it's all over you. And, and I, you just have to be obedient. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense. So I walked around here with you guys, walked up, greeting people, and I kept hearing people from a distance. Something's on fire. Something's on fire. Something burning? Somebody burning something? Somebody burning food out there for the, the deal later? And then I would hug. I try to, you know, I try to hug everybody on purpose, even if I didn't want to. And so I hugged everybody. And during the thing, everybody kept on, and it was on their clothes. What, what was on me got on you. <laughs> and it was all over the place. And I preached that sermon, and I started talking about what I did. And the reality that these, these Hebrew boys got up in a fire and did not smell of the smoke of that fire didn't have any any kind of smoke of the world. It didn't even quench them. It didn't do anything. It didn't send your hair. It said that when that door opened, all those guys died. There's your sign. Don't put them in it. Thumbs up. But when they got in, the only thing that burned off and didn't even rip their skin was the things that bound them. And here's what's crazy. Their names weren't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had Jewish names. And it wasn't just names. You know how we name kids today? Some people name their kids crazy stuff. We got Apple. We got Northwest. We got Southeast. You know, like people naming stuff. But names back then had purpose. It was for an entire family, a a history. There was a deep meaning. And then when that name had to change, that had to have been devastating. But it didn't shake them. But listen, here's what's crazy. God is so good. Like we don't even remember their real names like he turned the, the, the script and all we remember is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego like no matter what the enemy tried to do God still got the glory with the wrong name <laughs> he got the glory he turned it for his glory just know you're in a witness protection that you, you are protected by who he is but he's needing you he needs you to stand so stand with me He needs you to stand. He needs you to stand strong. These people were royal, but what I find out in this sermon is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wasn't up on the stage with the king and Daniel. They were out there. So they were important, but not that important to be standing next to the king. But then they bring them up. And I'm telling you right now, nothing shook them. They probably had their arms to their side like, I'm not moving. I'm not budging. I'm not bowing. You can do what you want. You ain't got to talk anymore. We ain't, we ain't got one more thing to say about this. I think you have to have this boldness in your life as a Christian to, to be like this. We ain't got to talk about this. But yet we, we try to do that. You can read that scripture before we go. You, we, we try to do that. We try to justify it. And even when we do right, we try to go in and just try to caress everybody and we talk and we talk and we talk you've got to just like he said where's the actions at let's start demonstrating it I don't have to say one more word my demonstration's going to speak for itself I'm not bowing but what have we bowed down to so many times and it's so crazy cue the music okay everybody bow 
But in the end, when this all is said and done, what happens? They come out. There's another one in the fire. And just to have their perspective, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have to ask them. Like, how was that? Like, all of a sudden, Jesus is just standing right in the middle of a Boom. Boom. And have this inner court moment. And he got the glory. And it shifted an entire nation because of their obedience. That witness protected protected them. Well, how that protect them? They still got in a fire. It doesn't matter. Listen, no matter what your circumstance is, he's still going to protect you. You still have to stand strong no matter what the circumstance. You will have that. Before I say this verse, one thing that I thought about is why do witnesses who are in witness protection struggle to give their witness? And it's because they're afraid of the verdict and what's going to happen and what's going to be the outcome in the trial. But if we would remember even in our lives that you don't have to be afraid when you're in witness protection with God that the verdict's already been made for you that you win. He wins. So no matter what false verdict the enemy's trying to put over your life, you have to stand firm to the verdict that God's given you, which is he wins. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And the point of that is that when you worship God, when you give your life to God, it has to have a resolve about it, which means it has to know that there is a firm and clear direction, that God is your source, that God is your direction, that God is the way, he's the truth and the life, and he is worth giving your life for he gave his for you and that's the point